Uh, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Point, and I want to extend a special welcome to our guests this morning. Uh, we're so glad that you, you are here. Um, even if someone from Cross Point threatened you, if you didn't come, we're glad that you chose to uh, pay attention to that and that you're, you're here with us today. Now, I, I can't, I can't um, prove that this is actually in the Bible, and I, I don't have any historical evidence to back this up, but I think this might have happened. When Jesus died and was buried, Satan said, finally, Jesus is dead. Yes! And then Jesus said, (laughs) April Fools! (laughs) That might have happened. Nobody can prove it didn't happen. All right, in all seriousness, (laughs) um, I'm the kind of dad that... um, I like to mess with my kids just to see what they're made of sometimes. And, and some of you might think that's mean or whatever. I think it's fun and educational. Uh, for example, last summer, uh, my, I, my wife and I took our kids. We have five kids. We took them to the zoo. And we took them to that petting zoo. that's at the Milwaukee County Zoo. And they were um, feeding the goats and all of that stuff, having a great time. And then my wife decided she was going to take the older four out and, and down to the next, you know, thing. And she's like, hey, can you keep an eye on Keller? Keller is our youngest. She was in her, in her element, loving, you know, she just didn't want to leave. And I said, I'm like, sure, I'll keep an eye on her. I was outside of the petting zoo. She was inside, you know, inside the gates. And, um, and she didn't even know what was going on. So there she is, you know, she's feeding the, uh, feeding the animals and petting them and all that kind of stuff, stepping on their thing, their, you know, leftovers and stuff. And then all of a sudden she looked up just something inside her said, I better look up and make sure I know where mom is. So she looked up and she's looking around and she didn't see mom. She didn't see the other kids. She didn't see the rest of her family. And I watched as her face just pan, you know, she started to panic. Her whole world started to unravel, you know, in that moment. Like, where's my family? Did they abandon me? Now, some of you dads would run to the aid of your child in that moment and be like, it's okay, I'm here, don't worry. But this is where my dark side came out. I just, I wanted to see what she would do. And so I just let her sweat it out and fall apart there for about 10 or 15 seconds. Um, and she finally, our eyes met, and I gave her a smile. And she's, she looked at me like, you know, what's wrong with you? <laughs> now, what, what was she thinking in that moment? What, what was she thinking during those 10 or 15 seconds? What was she thinking? It's not hard to figure out. She was thinking, where's my family? Did they leave me? Are they ever going to come back? Will I ever see them again? Listen, there, I just want you to know, there, there, we, we have never left her anywhere before. We've never given, any re, given her any reason, I don't think, and I think my wife would back me up on this. We've never given her any reason to doubt our love for her. We've, we've never given her any reason to, pan, to panic in that moment, but that's what happened. She did, because she didn't see us. Because she couldn't physically see us, her whole world came crashing down. Now, we do the same thing with God. We do the same thing. You know, we could be cruising along in life. Everything's going fine. You know, we're we're going to church. You know, our life's going well. You know, um, our, our job's going well. 
our family is growing, you know, whatever it is that you think is important to you. And, and we think we're okay. Okay, God's working in my life. Things are going well. But then, without warning, things go sideways. And, you know, something happens and you lose control of your life. Some major disappointment, even a tragedy. And all of a sudden, you kind of look up and you realize, where's God? Where's God? My life is falling apart. Where are you, God? I pray, I'm praying to you and praying to you. you. I can't hear you. I can't see you. And even though God has never given us any reason to doubt him, even though we have his word and we know his promises and we believe that he's faithful, when our lives sort of become unraveled, we tend to forget. We tend to panic. We tend to, to, to you know, just because we can't see him, we start to, to hesitate. We start to doubt. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is what do you do what do you do when you hesitate in the presence of God? That's the question that I want you to wrestle with this morning. What do you do when you hesitate in the presence of God? Let's read that. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 28 this morning. We're going to read one of the resurrection narratives from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And um, we're going to read most of the verses between verse 1 and 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can. I'm sorry, I forgot to dismiss the kids. It's Easter. I've got a lot on my mind right now. <laughs> Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1. We are going to, uh, we're going to begin reading here together. Here's what we read. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now we're going we're gonna to jump down to verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Some doubted. That's what we're going to pause this morning. <clears throat> Now, in between verses 11 and 16, we, we skipped a little, uh, a little paragraph there, right? Where, where the guards went in and they fabricated the story about, you know, the disciples came and stole Jesus' body or whatever. But in between those few verses there, 40 days have passed. We know that uh, from other gospel accounts in the rest of the New Testament, Jesus was on the earth for 40 days while he, after he had risen again. And he appeared to hundreds of different people. At one time, he appeared to 500 people at once. But... <laughs> I want to focus in on this, 
on, on what Matthew says in verse six, 17. Uh, after the 40 days had passed, the disciples had seen him you know, a few times. They went to this mountain uh, where Jesus is going to see them for the last time. And, and some of them worshipped him and some doubted. Some doubted. That is a very interesting observation, isn't it? Some doubted. I mean, think about this. Just in the first week after Jesus had emerged from the tomb, he visited a bunch of the disciples more than once. We know that he walked with two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he he revealed himself to them, and he told them about all the things that the Old Testament said about him. We know that he appeared in the upper room where the disciples, here's these two women, right? And they're going to the tomb. They have a lot of things to be afraid about, but they go to the tomb because they just can't wait. They want to honor Jesus' body. They're not expecting to see Jesus alive, but they're there to honor his body. And all the rest of the disciples, where are they? They locked themselves in an upper room because they're afraid of the Jewish leaders, what they might do to them. And Jesus appears in the upper room, not once, but twice. The first time, we know that Thomas wasn't there, and, and the disciples didn't even believe it was him. He, he's like, look, look, here's my hands. Look at my hands, my feet, my side. Give, do you have anything to eat? They give him a piece of fish. He eats a piece of broiled fish to prove that it's really him. You know, flesh and bone, he said. And then the, he comes back within a week, and he visits them again. And then we're told later on, seven of the disciples went out fishing you know, it's like they don't even know what to do with themselves. We know Jesus is alive. We don't know where he is, but we know he's alive. What's next? They go out fishing, and Jesus shows up on the shore, and he calls out to them. And they don't know it's him at first, but, but they eventually figure it out. And, they pull the, and, and he tells them to throw their net on the other side of the, of the boat. And it's full, so full of fish, they can't even haul it back in. And they realize it's Jesus. They get back to shore. Jesus had built a fire, and they have breakfast together. Now, all of that had happened before Matthew 28, 16. And yet Jesus shows up on the mountain with them, again, in the flesh. And the disciples worship him, but some doubted. Some doubted. That's just, I mean, think about that. They had all the evidence they needed to believe that Jesus is actually alive. This is the real Jesus, and yet some of them doubt. I mean, these guys, think about this. These are the guys that are going to carry the Jesus movement forward. It's all up to these 11 guys. You know, Jesus made that statement earlier in Matthew. I'm going to build my kingdom and the gates of hell will not overcome it. How's that going to happen? It's on these guys. These, this is, these guys are the key to the whole thing. And eventually Jesus said, I'm going I'm to come back and I'm going to redeem the whole world. I'm going to make all things new. And it all starts with these 11 guys, whether or not they are going to obey and believe what Jesus said. And some of them doubted. Some of them doubted. These are the 11 disciples that are left. (laughs) And some of them doubted. And I am so glad that God chose to tell us this. I I really am. That that on the day that Jesus showed up, the last time they were going to see him, and he's going to give them his great commission, that some of them doubted him. You know why? Because that tells us that they weren't all in the same place spiritually. The disciples, they just weren't. They weren't in the same place spiritually. Isn't that just like us? Isn't that just like the church? You know, we gather here every single Sunday, and we worship, 
and we talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus every single Sunday. We don't, you know, it's not like here's Easter Sunday and then next week we're going to start talking about other things. No, we talk, I mean, that's all we have is the death and resurrection of Jesus. What else are we going to tell, I mean, we're not about, you know, hey, here's some, here's some great principles for your life and if you apply these, your life will get better. No, every single week it's, hey, behold Jesus. That, that's all we have. And, and every week we get together, we remind ourselves what Jesus has said. We, we talk about the good news. We encourage one another. We build each other up. We, we confess our sins to one another, maybe sometimes, if you're bold enough. We pray for each other. And every single week when all that's happening, some of us worship and some of us hesitate. Isn't that the truth? Some of us worship and some of us hesitate. What do you do with that? You know, maybe some of you, maybe that's just part of your personality. Maybe there are some of you in here, and God has just wired you that way. Like, you're kind of skeptical about everything. Like, like you know, you, you came in this morning, you're like, why do you guys meet at 10 o'clock? You know, or, or you know, you just, you're just, you ask questions. You dig beneath the surface. You, you know, you take nothing for granted. You, don't, you know, you don't just accept the status quo. And God has wired you that way, just to, just to doubt things. Is there something wrong with you? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Nothing is wrong with you. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with you. And honestly, that is the way that God has, has, has wired some people. And that's a good thing. And so I, I want you to know that if that's you, if you're someone who ha- generally hesitates before you go all in, and you've even approached God that way at times, I want you to know that, that you, you are welcome here. You belong here. We need you here. We need you here. I mean, if you have doubts, if you have doubts about about God and whether or not God hears you, whether or not God has your best in mind, whether or not God is going to make good on all of his promises, maybe you have doubts about the reliability of these ancient texts. Maybe you have doubts about the authenticity of the, of the English translations that we have. Maybe you have doubts about the resurrection and whether or not Jesus is alive. I mean, show me the evidence. I'm not going to believe it unless I have, you know, evidence, enough evidence. Maybe that's you. And I want you to know that, that you are welcome here. I mean, what, what are we going to say to you? Uh, I mean, we could say, hey, don't talk about that. Don't talk about your doubts. You need to just keep those quiet. I mean, what if, other, what, if you get, what if other people start questioning things and doubting things? You know, we can't have that. This is a church for people of faith. This is a church for people who never doubt or never waver. I mean, this is a church for people who have it all together and who are all spiritually mature. That's just not true, is it? That's not us. We want to be a family that is honest and a safe landing for people who are wrestling with doubt, who are hesitant in the presence of God. And we want to talk about it. We want to be able to talk about it. And, he, and here's something I, I was asking myself this week and, and just kind of wrestling with this text. Is how did Matthew know that they had doubts? How did Matthew know that some of them had doubts? Did, maybe Matthew doubted. Maybe he was one of them. Maybe he was one of the guys who was like, I'm not so sure about this. Maybe it was written on their faces, like, is that really, I mean, I, prob- I kind of doubt that, 
I kind of doubt that they saw it on their faces. Here's what I think. I think they talked about it. I think they talked about it after he had ascended into heaven. I believe they talked about that. Because that's what a family does. That's what you do. You talk about it. I wonder if moms and dads, those of you who are here this morning, do you talk, is your, do you invite your kids to ask you questions about Jesus in like, in a doubting way? Like, has any one of your kids ever said to you, Dad, how do you know that Jesus is alive? How do you know that Jesus died on the cross? How do you know that Jesus' death is enough to cover my sin? I don't want my kids to take that for granted because someone's going to ask them someday. Or they'll figure it out themselves. How do I know? And I want us to be a, I want us to be a church that talks about, that brings those things out into the open and that talks about those things. And I, I, I hope our family does that too. You know what I mean? Tim Keller said, he's, Tim Keller is one of my favorite authors. He, he, he said this. Believers should acknowledge and wrestle with doubts, not only their own, but their friends and neighbors. It is no longer sufficient to hold beliefs just because you inherited them. Only if you struggle long and hard with objections to your faith will you be able to provide grounds for your beliefs to skeptics, including yourself, that are plausible rather than ridiculous or offensive. And such a process will lead you, even after you come to a position of strong faith, to respect and understand those who doubt. You know, he's right about that. He's right about that. You know what? I used to think if I had doubt, I, I've, had, I've been following Jesus for about 20 years. There's been lots of times where I struggled. You know, God told me to do something or God said something and I hesitated. I just hesitated. I was like, well, God, I'm not so sure about that yet. I, I just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can go there yet. And I would sometimes just, oh, you know what? I can't, I can't, Bring those doubts out into the open. I just got to believe. Just believe. But I, don't, I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. I think we're supposed to bring those things out into the open. And I know that some of you are here probably thinking this morning, you know what? I believe. I believe in the resurrection. I don't have any doubts. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he died on the cross. I believe there's historical evidence. I believe the Bible is true. I believe that one day we will, we will be raised with a, with a new resurrected body, and we will see Jesus, and, we, and we'll see him on the earth. I believe all of that, because I'm an Orthodox Christian. Amen. However, right, let, let me just challenge you for a minute. I believed all that too, by the way. I believed that for, for 20 years, all of that. But in 2007, my life fell apart. I broke my marriage I lost my job. I lost my reputation. I lost most of my friends. I mean, <laughs> you find out who your, who your real friends are when you mess up your whole life, right? And I had just a few friends left who were willing to walk through that with me. And you know what? I believe Jesus was alive that whole time. Here's the problem. The resurrection of Jesus wasn't as comforting it wasn't as encouraging and it wasn't as relevant to me as it should have been. I was not, the, you know, the, the reality that Jesus is alive did not dominate my thinking during that season of life. I was not waking up every morning like, yes, Jesus is alive. I can't wait to see what God does today. I was full of doubt. 
I had doubts about my marriage. I had doubts about my future. I had doubts about whether or not I was even a child of God. I had doubts about whether or not God was going to bring me through it. So you can say this morning, yes, I believe. I confess with my mouth. Jesus died on the cross, and he he's rose again, and one day he's coming back. But what are you going to say when your life comes apart? What are you going to say when you meet up with some disappointment in your life, when your life goes sideways and you no longer have control, when some tragedy befalls you? Will you believe that God is for you then? Will you accept the outcome, even if it isn't what you want, because you know that this isn't the only life there is? Listen, if God is for you, and I believe that he is because Jesus is alive, because Jesus is alive, I am convinced that God is for you. And if he is, we can be sure of one thing. He is going to test our faith. God is going to test our faith. Do you know why? Because our faith is precious to him. The New Testament says our faith is the most important thing about us. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you, according to God. And God knows that the only way our faith is going to grow is if it is tested. And that means that following Jesus is going to mean that God is going to take you at times to some dark, scary corner of life, and it's going to feel like a dead end. But guess what? That's where growth happens. That's, that is the, sometimes it's like the only way God can get our faith to grow is if he pulls the rug out from under us and we hesitate. And that's when God's ready to move. In Mark chapter 9, there's this great, great narrative where there's all these crowds gathered around Jesus and there's this father, this desperate father. He doesn't know what else to do. His son is, 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 is a, he thinks is about to die. His son has been, uh, he had an evil spirit torturing him basically, throwing him into fires, throwing him into Bodies of water trying to drown him. He, he, like throwing him on the ground. He's like convulsing and foaming at the mouth and all that stuff. And this was relatively common in Jesus' day. And the father brings his son to Jesus because he doesn't know where else to go. He's desperate. And he's not convinced that Jesus is going to heal his son. And this is what he says to Jesus. Jesus, if you can do anything, please help us. That's what he says to Jesus. And Jesus says, if I can do anything, everything is possible for one who believes. And the Father says this, I do believe, help me overcome my belief. Isn't that weird? Like, okay, do you believe or not? We want it to be black and white, don't we? Either you believe or you don't. But that's not how faith works. Okay, this guy says to Jesus, I do believe, but I have some doubts. And I got to tell you, I feel like that sometimes with God. I I honestly, I I say things like that to God sometimes. Like, God, I believe you can do it. I know you can do this, but I just don't see it. I I feel stuck. I know you want me to go here, but I don't, I I just, I I don't know if I can. I don't know how. God, I know you said this, but I don't, I don't see it right now. So do you know what the best thing you can do in situations like that? Is just confess it to Jesus. Just tell him, Jesus, I, I believe in you but help me in my unbelief. Do you know what the best part about the story? You know what Jesus did? 
Did, did he rebuke the father? No, he rebuked the evil spirits. He cast it out. And do you know what that means? It means that we don't have to have perfect faith for Jesus to move in our life. We do not have to have perfect faith for God to answer our prayers. As long as you are honest with your doubt and you tell Jesus where you're at, and you even, I think you should talk about this with with other believers too, and just tell them, this is where I'm at. I've been praying to God. I haven't seen him move. I'm losing hope. What do I do? I mean, isn't that what the church is for? We're not all at the same spiritual place. We need each other. We need each other. We're going to go through seasons. We're going to go through, dr- through droughts. We're going to hesitate. And no matter where we're at as a church, there's always going to be people worshiping. And there's going to be people right next to them who are hesitating. And to God, that's a beautiful thing. And God wants to bring us together and grow us up in the image of Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. Now, as Christians, we do believe, and I mentioned this briefly before, we do believe that because Jesus rose, because Jesus is alive, we will be raised. And when we say we will be raised, and this is a radical thing to believe, but this is what the Bible teaches, it means that one day we will die and we will be buried and our bodies will go into the ground and they will decay. But on the day Jesus returns, our bodies will be raised. Our bodies will be raised incorruptible. Our bodies will be raised and they will never decay again. Our bodies will be raised immortal. We will be more than physical. We will be permanent and glorious in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. Now some of you are here today And one of the reasons that you've doubted, one of the reasons you hesitate is because you've lost a loved one, maybe. Maybe maybe someone close to you died. Some of you have lost a mother or father too soon. Some of you have lost a grandparent too soon. Some of you have lost a child or a baby. And their body is in the grave and their body's decaying. And you want to know, can those dry bones live? Can my child, can my dad, can my... Mom, can my grandma, can they, be, can they be raised again? Will they be restored? Will they stand in the presence of Jesus? And the answer to all of that is yes. Yes. But there's one more question you're asking. And you, I know that you think about this, because I do too. And that is, will I see them again? Will I see my child again one day? Will I see my mom again one day? Will I see my dad again one day? Will we be reunited? Don't you want to know that? I have to be honest with you this morning. I don't know. I can say yes to the first question. I don't know about the second question. Because honestly, the Bible is silent on that. It's not clear. We don't know. But you know what we do know? I know that one day... If you are trusting in the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you will be raised and you will see Jesus. You will see Jesus with new eyes and you will see him in the flesh, face to face. 
And from Genesis all the way to Revelation, that is the best thing you can possibly hope for. The best hope you can have is not seeing your loved one again or being reunited with that person you lost. The best thing you could ever hope for is seeing Jesus in the flesh, in glory. That's the point of all of it. We're going to close this morning with 1 John chapter 3. This is what he writes. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves as he is pure. So here's our confession this morning. Jesus Christ lived in the sight of God in perfect obedience to the law. He fulfilled all of God's commandments. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. He appeared to his followers. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he is coming back for us. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? You know what this text says? The way you live your life right now gives us a clue. So I want to I ask you this morning, I want to leave you with this question. When Jesus returns, when we see him, and everyone is going to see him, by the way, all right, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you follow Jesus or not, when he appears, everyone's going to acknowledge that he lives. My question to you is, will you worship or will you hesitate? I'm going to have the worship team come back up and I'm going to close this in prayer and then they'll lead us in one more song. So let's go to the Father and ask him for help and this is our time of need. Our Heavenly Father, we do praise you this morning that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross and in his body take our wrath. The wrath towards sin that we deserve. He took our punishment. He was judged instead of us as our substitute. And we are so thankful, Jesus, today for, for the sacrifice that you made. And most of all, that you are alive, that you defeated death, that you are alive and that you are with us today. And that as you said, you will never leave us or forsake us. We have nothing to fear. God, we admit today that we need you. We admit that we, some of us have doubts and we hesitate in your presence. And we confess our doubts to you this morning. And we ask, God, that you would increase our faith. And that you would help us in our unbelief. It's for your glory, God. And one day when Jesus comes back, we will worship. And help us, God, to be expecting that and to be ready for it and to purify ourselves as he is pure. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.